Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Bike Rider Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRider.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello, welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast. My name's Tom Marvin. I'm a senior technical editor here at BikeRadar.com and MBUK Magazine. Joining me in the podcast studio today, we have Rob Weaver. He is our technical editor-in-chief. I've got it right this time, Rob. <laughs> yeah, first time do, in yeah. a while. Uh, and we've also got Tom Law. He is our new mountain bike presenter on BikeRadar.com's YouTube channel. So we'll start off. Tom, how are you getting on? What are you up to? And welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Yeah, that's going to be confusing. We've got two Toms in the podcast today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd, be a, that'd be a good one. So yeah, I've been filming some secret stuff, which I'm not allowed Ooh. to talk about quite yet. So stay tuned to the YouTube channel to see all that mm-hmm. and lots of planning for future videos as well so lots and lots going on at the moment as well as a bit of testing as well for yeah. you guys good stuff have you been enjoying your time with bike you've been what about a month here now is it six yeah week six week now six. yeah week six so yeah getting getting thoroughly stuck in first podcast yeah got some stuff coming for the mag as well which is all exciting good stuff as well as the youtube channel so yeah really getting stuck into it all all the multimedias yeah all the multimedias yeah wearing many many hats brilliant and Rob, you are wearing a hat today. How are you getting on? What are you up to? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a bit out of breath. Yeah, I've literally just cycled in <laughs> from home. So uh, yeah, I'm good. Uh, we're just wrapping up Bike of the Year. So uh, thanks to Brexit, I've been out in the garden weighing wheels and frames to uh, fill out the carnet to make sure we're allowed in and out of the country, which is super fun. I guess um, maybe a bit more pressure on you because you're the one who's driving everything back into the country in just every <laughs> week's time. Me and Al have just got to drive out of the, out of the country with our stuff. Well, in theory, you say that, but... Should it all go wrong, I can just ditch everything. We've shot everything. Then. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> we just give it to the Frenchies and then uh, we're off. There might be a nice pile of bike bits uh, by, <laughs> by Calais. <laughs> exactly. Good and how stuff. about you, Tom? Yeah, all good. Uh, likewise with you, Rob. Um, I, uh, I'm i going to pick my top three out of a hat this afternoon, I think. <laughs> no, it's a bit more scientific than that. Um, but yeah, a, a very a scientific busy week. hat. It is a very scientific. It's like um, Dumbledore's in uh, Harry Potter's. Oh, the sorting hat. <laughs> the sorting hat. Honestly, we should just do that. Uh, <laughs> it'd be so much easier. But yeah, so yeah, we're all we're all busy here at Bike Radar, but lots of great content to come up, um, including today's podcast. That was a nice little segue. Ooh. 
So uh, we have pulled together, Tom and Rob and myself, and we are looking back through some of the bikes that we really wish that we had owned at some point in the past. So absolute classic mountain bikes of the past. So yeah, I've, I've got a couple that sort of belong to some of my friends. Uh, and I know Tom has a few and Rob also has some. So uh, we are, yeah, we're going to have a little look back the bikes that we wish we'd once owned. And I'm going to put you on the spot, Tom, because we're going to start with you. Let's have uh, the first of your two. Uh, the first of my two is the Rocky Mountain Slayer. So in spite of my XC origins, yeah, the Slayer was a bike I really lusted after as a okay. as a youth way back in the mid-noughties. Uh, so yeah, first saw that bike. It was uh, They did like a, a Freddie and Jason sort of style sort of ad campaign in, in the mags back in the day. And I just thought that was really cool. Handmade in, in Canada as well. Big long travel enduro rig of the time. Yeah, I just thought it was a really, really nice looking bike. And my dad had one and loads of mates had sort of Rocky Mountains. So yeah, mm-hmm. a, bit of, a bit of a cult in the Midlands at the time. All right, okay. So talk us through what's on the bike. You know, so you say it's a long travel, like free ride bike, is that the sort of thing? Yeah, it's so kind of like a long travel sort of trail bike. So it was a, originally with a 154 okay. and 152 mil of travel out back. Slack-ish sort of geometry for the day. It was just, I think it was a 68 degree. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, raked. crazy. Raked out properly slacked uh, and it had like this weird sort of like linkage actuated single pivot sort of design okay. uh, for the suspensions yeah it just looked really cool and what year are we talking here so that would have been 2006 that bike was okay. introduced yeah though the Slayer went back further than that yeah and obviously still is in Rocky Mountains lineup today mm-hmm. so still still going very different to back then yeah but yeah yeah really can you remember bike. what bike you were riding at the time I was. I was riding a Kinesis XC120 that I built myself okay. as, a, as a GCSE present to myself from, nice. from the folks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's what I was riding so at the very, time. very different to a Slayer then? Very different, yeah. I was kind of coming out of the XC racing crowd and uh-huh. thinking, oh, I can be cool and and not free ride. Yeah. <laughs> what, was the, what was the vague build on that bike then? What... what? What did it come with? Was it like a domain back then? If it was, it was Fox was it 36, Fox? yeah. Oh, okay. It was early days of the 36 and the RP3 shock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with lots of obviously race face sort of bits and pieces on it as well. Yeah. So, and, and Eastern. I think it was actually Eastern Tube set on that bike as well. Back Ooh, when Eastern yeah, did we're, tubing, we're living, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that bike, Rob? I do, yes. Go on, I never, I never rode one, though. Okay. No. Um, yeah, they, they, uh, they always had... A lot of appeal, but they were really hard to get hold of mm-hmm. in the UK. And I think, yeah, uh, the heritage with that brand is massive. That whole movement from, you know, sort of the late 90s and what those guys did really caught everyone's attention, I think. And it sort of spearheaded a whole, you know, different type of riding, which mm. I, I guess we still sort of embrace today, which is amazing. Maybe less skinnies going on than there was back then. <laughs> less seesaws and skinnies. <laughs> yeah, definitely not as many skinnies. We didn't have any skinnies in the Midlands, that's for sure. So Doddy, who used to work here, he used to love, there was a bike park called Isha, Isha Bike Park. Is that where there yes. was a guy, Jedi, who used to like coach there or something? Is that who I'm thinking? Uh, yes. Possibly. And, yeah. and there was loads of skinnies, yeah. seesaws, loads of woodwork. And there was another one just outside Cheddar as well, mm-hmm. near the artificial ski slope there. And there was, I, I just remember riding stuff, puttering along, probably at two miles an hour, <laughs> six feet up, thinking, I'm going to fall off and just snap both my legs. <laughs> this is not the way to go. It's such a stupid idea, <laughs> I always thought. I never I never understood what the point of all that North Shore stuff was. Absolutely terrified. Me. Yeah. Yeah. I think I rode, uh, I rode a seesaw once. I, d- I didn't die, obviously, because I'm still here, but um, I'm pretty sure it terrified me. There was, there was some trails up in Scotland, Lurnie. Um, 
Learning, I think it was called, on the Black Isle. And there was like, the one thing I remember from uni was a mate of mine who's really good at riding bikes. And there's this like super long log with like just the, the top of it just shaved off to be slightly flat and not slightly wrong. And he rode the whole thing. And I, honest to God, I almost shat my pants watching him. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying. There is still actually a proper skinny at, at Landego, actually, up near my neck of the woods. Yeah, yeah, it's it's about six inches wide. It's not very long, but yeah, every time I look at it, I'm just like, no, yeah, I'm good, so, thanks. Someone's been down B&Q and bought a plank. Yeah, just bought a plank, yeah. <laughs> not for me. No, no, no. definitely not. <laughs> Keep our wheels on the ground. It's hard enough when the track's like a I foot know. wide. <laughs> Oh, nice. Well, yeah, Rocky Mountain, they were a big, big brand back in the day. Like, I mean, still are, but, you know, still like are. real heritage sort of like mm. one of the big North American, like very cool brands. So, yeah, nice, nice selection there, Tom. Uh, Rob, what are you going for? What, what did you wish you had? I forever dreamed about owning um, one of the Sun Radical Plus downhill oh, okay. bikes. Um, for me growing up, downhill was what I absolutely adored. And, uh, through the sort of mid to late 90s, it was always the Sun uh, team, mm -hmm. or the Sun Chippy team originally, then the Sun team as they progressed. Everything they did, the technology, the sponsors they had, it just felt like they were one, two, maybe three steps ahead of everyone else. Mm. They weren't just taking off-the-shelf um, suspension, even drivetrain, stuff like that. It was everything bespoke or, you know... Um, sourced from small manufacturers and made to work for them because they thought maybe they could get some kind of advantage from it. Mm -hmm. So the bike I, I loved in particular was the 1997 Radical Plus. So Nico won, I don't know how many races on, on Sun, loads. Yeah. And with the help of Olivier Bossard, who was taking care of uh, everything from suspension to, you know, helping design the bikes. So he had a custom fork, custom shock, at that time, the travel wasn't um, maybe in quite the same region as it is now. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about a fork with about 170 mil of travel. The rear end had 180 mil. Mm -hmm. uh, a head angle of, wait for it, 67 and a half degrees. I know. And and is the front center is actually pretty short. It's around 700 mil. So Nicker would probably ride a similar size to me because we're about the same sort of height. And when you consider most Enduro bikes now, that uh, their front centers around 800 maybe about 820 mm -hmm. so it's relatively short but the back end was 450 <laughs> oh god <laughs> yeah so the rear center was huge and it had quite a high bb at 360 right okay. 360 yeah. mil so you know times have obviously changed things have moved on but at that point in time if you speak to any of the riders that rode those bikes mm -hmm. nothing worked better yeah they stuck to the ground i, I remember we went actually over to sun when they were actually bringing out the, it would have been the last edition of the Radical Plus. Then we went over to the Boss Factory and we saw all the bikes lined up. It was like uh, the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones. You go into this sort of warehouse and up on the top of the shelves was, it was, I think it was um, every world championship bike they'd had under a different rider. So there was about six or seven stacked up wow. on the top shelves and we, begged them to get the forklift and bring them down and we had a look and, and honestly they were incredible uh, and and when in fact when we were in the the sun factory behind uh a curtain there was a set of stairs and we were kind of milling about and waiting i can't remember we were waiting for someone from the marketing department to, to arrive and we just thought do you know what let's have a look see what's up there and the factory is actually unfinished or it was unfinished mm -hmm. at the time 
So we went up these stairs, kept going up and up, and on the second and third floor, you've just got all these old prototype frames, bits of carbon kicking around from Francois Gachet, you know, so talking early 90s now. Mm. They had containers with every single component part of the forks and shocks just lined up, ready to build fresh ones. Yeah. It was insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no brand at that point went further mm -hmm. than they did. Everything they did was just meticulous. And um, since then, I've actually sat down and chatted to Nico. And uh, I, I don't know how true this is, but he said to me, he maybe would have won even more if he did less testing. Right, okay. Because it was like every single run, they changed something. Yeah, every yeah, yeah. single run, they were doing something, whether that was spoke tension, whether that was, you know, fork and shock adjustments, or maybe even um, running one clip, one flat pedal, mm. because mm. there were more turns that way and he needed mm. to hang his yeah, way yeah, out. Yeah. You know? Wow. Yeah. They, they were constantly pushing, and I think it's thanks to them that we got to the point where we are now, mm. to a degree. Well, yeah, for sure, compared to, you know, other people at the time that were, you know, sort of, hitting the party life, you know, they definitely seem to take it a lot, a lot more serious than, than maybe some, not that other people didn't take it seriously, yeah, yeah. but they took it to, you know, kind of like Schumacher did for F1, just to exactly. like fitness and tech to the, to the next level. Yeah. And, and you know, those guys were mocked for it at the time, but mm. now you've got everyone sort of stepped up and going beyond what they were doing mm. back then, which is, which is just goes to show how far ahead they were. Nice. Well, you probably will never get one of them, will you? <laughs> it seems like they're pretty, pretty specialist things. <laughs> I think oh, well. a lot of them, I think as well, there's like almost a shelf life built in because they're steel frames. Uh, I yeah. remember a couple of mates had had not the same bike, but similar sorts of stuff, mm. with, you know, standard suspension on, and a lot of back ends were snapping. Didn't wow. last too long, I don't think. Well, Sonar back and around, they're a French brand, and I, I seem to remember a couple of years ago, they released a new XC bike that looked... I mean, aesthetically, absolutely radical. It looked pretty cool, mm. um, but not so easy to get into the UK these days. Sadly not. Right. It seems to be a theme. Buy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we wanted, but we couldn't actually buy. Oh. <laughs> well, mine, um, my, my, the one I would, well, I lusted after back in 2007, I couldn't buy because I uh, couldn't afford it. Um, I couldn't afford many things when I was that age. Still, still can't, can we? No, still can't. <laughs> <laughs> we, we. But it was the... Um, it was a Trek 69er. Um, also, that probably appealed to my slightly juvenile sense of humour back then. Um, <laughs> back then? <laughs> back then. <laughs> um, the one I particularly wanted, they, they bought this, so the 69 it comes with, um, it was a precursor to the mullet, so it had a 29-inch front wheel and a 26-inch rear wheel, uh, and the 69er was built as an XC race bike. Um, and they created a number of different models over, over a few years, um, including, you know, most of them were, were geared with traditional forks and... They were kind of all right, but the one that I really, really wanted was a 2007 one. Uh, it was a single speed, which um, suited my niche tendencies back then, uh, and it came with the Maverick fork. So the Maverick is a DUC, so it was an upside down dual crown fork, um, and it came in this lovely bronzy brown color. As I say, single speed from the off. Um, and I just thought it just looked the most insane, beautiful, incredible looking bike. Um, and I just wanted one. Um, at the time, 
I was riding an on-one inbred. It was my first 29er. Uh, it was a single speed, um, and I absolutely loved it. What I particularly liked about that was it previously was owned by Joe Burt, who was the guy who painted all the mint sauce in MBUK, which I'd been reading since I was 12. Still does. Still does. And this particular inbred was covered in his hand doodles of mint sauce. That's cool. um, That's very cool. I bought it for 250 quid, and I sold it for 250 quid, and I really should have kept hold of it because uh, it would have been nice. But, um, yeah, so I, I really wanted that Trek 69er. It looked so rad. Um, Kestevan, uh, Guy Kestevan, who did a lot of testing for us, um, he rode it. Uh, and there's a lot of those sort of like old school sort of attitudes towards 29ers, which obviously were, you know, like it's slow to accelerate and, you know, feels a bit big and heavy and floppy in the corners. Uh, just interesting how like, you know, these days like 29 is like the go-to and they've sorted all that stuff out. Um but yeah, I just thought it was a really cool bike. A guy was a massive proponent of 29, wasn't he? 100%. Yeah, he, yeah, was, yeah. he was on it really early. I think uh, the big one that changed things for him was maybe the Tallboy. Mm -hmm. mm. Yes. Yeah, first, first gen, gen Tallboy. Tall yeah. yeah. That was a great bike. Mm. Mm. Yeah, amazing bike. Mm. So yeah, that was my bike. Nice. We're going to do another round because we've each got two bikes. Quick fire, right? And we've got 10 minutes before we're getting booted out and we've got another meeting. N nine minutes. <laughs> nine minutes. So Tom, in, in two minutes maximum, uh, what's your next bike? Uh, so Santa Cruz Blur 4 Cross is my oh, next bike. Oh, that was a great yeah, bike. Yeah, it was a great bike. I remember uh, Doddy, formerly yes. of this parish, you know, reviewing one for, for the mags back in the day. Uh, I rode one actually when I went to Pinedegla once mm. and yeah, just absolutely loved it. So that was definitely more a precursor to kind of what I ride now, I guess, you yeah. know, sort of like an aggro short travel sort of mm. bike. So I actually saw one the other weekend as well. I actually said to the guy, I was like, oh my God, it's a blow four cross. And he just looked at me completely gone out. He <laughs> <laughs> was like, how do you know what it is? Like, because it's just a cool bike from, yeah. from back in the day. So yeah, absolutely love those things. Yeah, super, super cool little ripper. Doesn't um, Will Soph, who's the new MBK presenter, he's got a specialised something it's, it's enduro, enduro sex, sex similar yeah. kind of vibe yeah right? yeah yes it's yes. same as the uh, metaphor cross from yeah. Comintel. Mm. that yeah. thing was amazing yeah yes mm. incredible bike maybe we need to bring back four cross and we get a lot of new really yeah bikes. get a really new four cross was ace yeah. Yeah. it was good michael morosi's yeah. pass over there on the yeah, wall yeah. ride oh classic yeah, yeah. He jumped over the yeah top he of literally him. jumped mm. over the top of everybody yeah those are the days those were the what days what we got now instead we haven't got anything like that XCO. X XCO. XCO. Yeah, yeah short okay. course XC. Yeah, not as exciting. Not as it? exciting, no. Hey-ho. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That was a good quick one. Mm, Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, what, what year was that from? Oh, so that would have been about the same sort of time, probably okay. 2005, 2006. Yeah, because I started riding in 2003, 2004. So yeah, yeah it was before I sort of got into mountain biking properly, really. Solid choice. I'm pretty sure Rick bought one. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Rick McLaughlin, again, formerly of this parish. Now head honcho of downhill racing or something. Yeah, he's a... Um, Works with Chris Ball. Is it ESO? Is ESO? that what it's called? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, who ran EWS now? EDR, DHIXCO, <laughs> All the acronyms. HMS. <laughs> all, all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's like chief media man. Mm. Yeah, he, yeah. Another big fan. I think partly at the time it was uh, because they were pretty big, relatively mm. long. Mm -hmm. yeah. And both him and Doddy obviously uh, fairly big units, so they needed needed big bikes, and and they properly fit the bill with that. Yeah. Mm. Great bike. Okay, Rob, what's your second? I'm going to do two in two minutes if that's oh, nice. Yeah, I'm going to yeah, do, yeah. I'm do uh, the Kleiner Droit EX. So this is a bike. Well, this particular one was, so uh, a f an old friend of mine used to ride for Klein mm. 
And I just remember seeing him bombing around our local woods. He was a few years older than me. He used to win all the junior national XC races, like everything, absolutely dominated. And he rode a Klein and then Tinker, Tinker Warret, Juarez, mm -hmm. I, I don't know how to say it. His bike from 93 with the lightning paint job on it, aluminium frame. I don't know heaps about it, to be honest, no. but dear God. Klein always had like the best paint the jobs. The best. Oh my God. It doesn't matter how it rode, right? Yeah, yeah. That thing, I would, I would I, yeah, I would love to own that bike. And then the other one, Steve Pete's 2004 224 from Orange. Okay. So it's the bike he used to wrap up the overall mm -hmm. that year. Uh, he famously rode, I think it was Lavigne, uh, the final round that year with a helmet with two Candestella. Take to it. Yeah. Well, in fact, yeah, what were we saying? Yeah, exactly. It comes, yeah. It's gone yeah. full circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So he'd already wrapped up the the series by then. So the final round, uh, his mechanic had made Andy Andy Kiffin, I think it was at the time, or maybe not. Yeah, maybe it was. I can't remember. Uh, had made him a helmet with two cans of Stella like beer holders. Mm -hmm. You know, proper lad stag do job. And he, yeah, he raced with that. It was incredible. But that bike was black, black, silver, bits of gold. Yeah. It, it was different. It was a proper factory yeah. job. It wasn't a standard bike you could go out and build. The pivot was in a slightly different place. Mm. Everything just looked nice. killer on it and obviously worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great sound. Great sounding bike. What about you, Tom? All right. Well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do two very yeah, quickly. Quick, go, go. Right. First off, like attainable, attainable bike. Evil Sovereign. Oh, yeah. Yeah. First launched, I think, roughly 2005, 2006. But the one I always wanted was about 2009. It came in like a really nice sort of dark emerald foresty green. Yeah. Mm. It was so rad, that bike. It had like sliding dropouts so you could run it geared or single speed if, like me, you like your sort of niche things. And, of course, it was quite a niche build, niche bike, niche brand. Um, designed by Dave Weigel. He of DW Link fame and also lots of other suspension pivots and stuff. But he built this, like, probably one of the first real, like, truly cool, hardcore, hardtail type bikes. It was steel, so it weighed an absolute ton. Um, but according to Kestevan, there was a little hint of compliance in there. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how much there really would have I, been. I actually rode that bike, the original 2005 one. Yeah. Ah, yeah hint yeah. of compliance or not at all? It seemed to be a little bit compliant. And the, the overriding factor for me at the time was the race face bars. Was it the Diabolus bars that right. were like 700 mil wide wow. or something, which back then was like, crazy, whoa, these crazy. are wide. Yeah. Do you know what else was crazy? The 68 degree head angle Yeah. on what was a very radical bike, mm. um, and a 71-degree seat angle. So um, very steep at the front and very slack at the back. Probably opposite the back. of what yeah, we the want. opposite of what we want. Um, <laughs> the reason why I really wanted it was so I went good, to uni with a guy. Wheelies. Good for wheelies. <laughs> I went to uni with a guy uh, called Luke, who's a, is, a, is a very good friend of mine. But, you know, when you, you know, when you have those like slight sort of like friendship rivalries where you kind of like, oh, yeah, he had one of them, and I was really jealous of him and his bike. Um, so that's probably one of the reasons why I wanted it. It's very cool. The other bike that I'm very going to quickly do, do very quickly, uh, throw back to early days MBUK that I used to read back in the early 2000s, and obviously still do, Martin Ashton's Volvo Cannondale Trials bike. Mm. Now, I never rode Trials, but I always liked, again, it's that sort of geeky niche, you know, geeky sort of sport, bit of the sport, bit of Trials riding, and the blue and yellow sort of colorways that was on the Trials bike, and also, obviously, their downhill bikes, their cross-country bikes, they did an FSI, you know, like... <sighs> So cool, painfully cool. Yeah, that was an amazing team back then, wasn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah, really, really cool. Junior development ones. team with Tracy Mosley yeah. at yeah. the time. Yeah, Gracia. 
Yeah, Gracia and Caro. And Caro. Cedric. Yeah. All of it. I just remember that there's always like downhill reports and they'd have like, you know, the, the, the left, I think the left at the time would have had like a little rubber boot over the stanchions and it was like in yellow and like the mm. forks. And I was just like, oh, this stuff, like the imagery is just like, and obviously like there's not many teams out there any since or before or ever who have had like a proper big sponsor like Volvo. Yeah. Like, mm. That's cool. Like that doesn't happen in, in mountain biking. Well, watch this space, right? Watch this space. Now, now we're back on the mainstream TV. Well, yeah, maybe it'll come. Well, not us, obviously. No, we're not, not on the mainstream TV. No. For the best. <laughs> we're on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but still, now it's going to be broadcast into all these new people's, you know, the, the wider yeah, yeah. audience, as it were. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, Reese Wilson got Volvo in his helmet. He did. Um, maybe he's just a big fan. Maybe he just loves them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Or misspelled his name very badly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Audi have their own e-bike. Coming out as well. Porsche have them. Yeah. Porsche, Porsche have, haven't they bought like Fazua or something like that? Oh, there was something like that, wasn't there? Yeah. They 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 bought I know they bought Grey P. Yes. Their they e-bike did. brand. So mm. yeah, there's me and Will have many ideas of how we can incorporate bikes and Porsches. It's <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna get very messy. You need to get Audi on there as well. Yeah, you? exactly. The, the question's already been asked. So it's, so it's gonna be some kind of a really elaborate track day followed by a very, very short bike ride. <laughs> yeah. There's gonna be a very, very big accident and a very expensive one as well. Insurance, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I'm sure the excesses aren't massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we've all selfishly had three goes, Tom. So do you want to uh, very before before um, our podcast recorder in chief comes down and turns us off. <laughs> yeah, we'll go for my third, which we've kind of already mentioned. It was the Common Cell Meta, but the 55. Oh, yeah. So they did like uh, a couple of UK editions, I think like 2009, 2010, which was just as I was sort of leaving college. So I was looking for okay. my first full sus bike because mm. all my bikes have been hardtails up to that point. Uh, so yeah, I really wanted one of those. And they did one was white and then one was black. And they had like lime green, which is like my favorite color at the time. So they were just really nicely sort of spec, good value. Because I think they were bought in by Madison at the time. Mm. So they had yes. all Shimano parts on. Uh, so yeah, I really liked the look of those bikes until I actually rode one. And I was like, oh Lord, this is really short and <laughs> not as good as it looks. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that never, was nev- meet your heroes. never meet your heroes. Yeah, never meet your heroes. Yeah, because, yeah, I, I really wanted one up until that point, then I rode it and <laughs> wasn't that impressed. So, yeah. sorry, Carmen Sal. Well, there we go. I think we'll wrap it up there. I think we've done a very nice and concise, but we've covered off nine bikes in 22 minutes. That's value. That's yeah. value for money uh, and a, probably the most efficient podcast we've ever recorded, Rob, I reckon. Probably. And it means as well, you, dear listeners, don't have to listen to us go on too much. <laughs> very true. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks ever so much for listening. Um, if you've got any comments, if there are any bikes that you wish you'd had, why don't you drop us an email? It is podcast at bikerider.com um, or any questions for our tech Q&As or suggestions on further podcasts we could do in the future do let us know thanks very much for listening thanks Tom and thanks Rob for being involved thank you Tom alright thank you Tom thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast if you've not done so already please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode